Yeah, we praise him this morning because in the Psalms, David tells us to praise him. We praise him because we have a lot to be thankful for. And I think what's really cool about that is God wants to hear our worship. So whether the person beside you thinks you're a great singer or not, you can sing because the Lord wants to hear your praise. So that's why we sing. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. Darkness, my God, that is who you 
Thank you that you're here. We just give you all the worship and praise, glory, and honor, and all things in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Happy New Year. Turn to the person behind you, in front of you, next to you. Wish them a Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. Okay, show of hands. Two things I want to know. This is, a, this is a really important survey. How many of you got to have a New Year's pretzel? Anybody? Okay. Much more than first hour, so this is good. Now, I'm not from Pennsylvania. Ten years I've been here, but I did not grow up eating this certain item on New Year's Day. How many pork and sauerkraut people in the house? Yeah. You're like, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. My family still looks at me and says, like, where did you grow up? Like, under the dirt? You know, but we did not do that in Illinois. I don't even remember what we did. We probably had Italian or something. I don't know. But, which is very good. But um, a couple things I want to uh, give you guys some information for. One, if you could pass the friendship folders. And as you pass them, if you're new, visiting, um, this might be a new thing for you. But if you would just sign your name and as much information as you feel comfortable uh, sharing with us uh, the reason why we do these friendship folders is because it's so much more than tracking people it's about caring it's about praying and so if we can serve you in any way would you uh, just let us know talk to the welcome center we'd love to talk to you we'd love to pray for you uh, pray with you um, but these friendship folders are ways that we can just say hey god thank you for who comes to crossroads and just know who comes uh, whether people sign it or not, we give thanks. And so I just want to let you know that's what the friendship folders are for. So as they pass them, please sign them. And uh, if you're new, please sign them and, and as much information as you feel welcome or feel comfortable sharing. We really appreciate that. Um, one thing I want to clarify, um, coming up next Sunday, we have uh, the 12th, we have our Next Steps class, which is for anybody looking for more information on Crossroads, uh, to meet Pastor Ken, to ask him questions, and to really just to kind of dig, dig into who we are here. And what uh, God is doing here at Crossroads, uh, this is a free thing. There's lunch and uh, care for kids provided. And so you can sign up in your bulletin or on our website. It's right on the front page. 
Um, this is also for those who are looking to start that process of becoming a member here and calling this church their home. And so if you have any questions, uh, you can grab me afterwards, but uh, you can sign up online or in your bulletin uh, as, as, we're, as we're talking this morning. So it's going to be a great time right after the second service next Sunday in the gym. And then I want to clarify one thing, too, with this um, Art of Marriage Conference, it is not the 20th to the 22nd, it is the 21st to the 22nd. So it'll be that Friday evening, and then it'll be a part of Sunday morning till about 3 o'clock on Saturday over at the Crown Plaza over across from South Hills Village Mall. Family Life is going to be putting on the conference. They're going to be facilitating it, and, and Ken and Rhonda and our team will be hosting it. And so it's going to be a phenomenal uh, day and a half, just digging into the Bible and what it has to say about our marriages and pouring into our marriages this coming new year. Uh, so that's going to be on the 21st to the 22nd, and you can start registering for that next uh, weekend in the lobby as, as well as on the website. Um, so we'll have more information to come next weekend. Guys, thank you for giving to the birthday gift of Jesus. We truly are humbled at the fact that God calls us to give and that we give. It's incredible to see what people are doing here at Crossroads and that people are giving and just all kinds of different things. It's just, it, This is my second year, going on my third year, and I'm truly humbled to see what God is doing through the birthday gift of Jesus. You got an update for us, huh? An update. I, went, I just want to thank you, first of all, for what God has done in the church. You know, Christmas was an incredible season here at the church. And as we move into 2020, so thrilled about what God is going to be doing in our future. But uh, I want to thank you for praying. You, I've asked you to pray about your part. I've asked you to give and make Jesus the number one on your birthday gift, on your, on your Christmas list, to make it about him. And if you're giving today, please designate it. If you're giving to the birthday gift to Jesus, please designate it. Um, everything that comes in over and above the goal is still going to go out the missions. I'm super excited. I want to give you an update. Would you look at this thermometer update here this morning? Check this out. Can we thank God for that? Man, that uh, God is just so good. You know, we asked, we asked you to pray 90,000. And uh, Ephesians 3.20, that's all I can think of is Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. So as we put out the goal, you know, the proverb says that a man makes his plans, but God directs his path. So we set the goal out. That was our highest goal that we've ever set. And look what God has done. And I'm excited to see where it's going to go because I know many people are still telling me they're bringing in their gifts. And so as you bring that in and give to the Lord, we'll update that next week and the week after. Uh, we're going to celebrate. We just want to thank God and celebrate Him for what He's done because He is exceedingly, abundantly uh, a great God. He can do anything. And so God has chosen to do this. And I want you to think about the people around the world that are being touched by this. Think about the orphans in Haiti this morning, the orphans in, uh, in, in Ecuador, the orphans in the Philippines. Our missionaries in the Philippines, in the Ecuador, and in Haiti. I want you to think about all their lives that are being touched. I want you to think this morning about Pastor Josh Watts right up the road here in Newcastle. Today, uh, I just want to share this with you. Uh, Pastor Josh started this church in Newcastle, called it City Church. He's on our birth to get to Jesus list. And so he told me, he called me over Christmas, and he says, Listen, I've got this opportunity to, to have a building to meet. They had 109 people coming to church a few weeks ago, and they were meeting in a room that had no bathroom. Like, could you imagine having church without a bathroom? 
There would definitely be no coffee. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like, like he had church without a bathroom. And so he said, we're not going to let anything stop us. And so we're his sending church. We're praying. And so you know what? He, he, they moved into this building. It's at the Riverplex in Newcastle. So if you know anything about downtown Newcastle, there's this building. And there was this vacant auditorium. And they allowed him to use it. They have a place for his children's ministry. And God just put him right on the map this morning. Today's their first day up there. Pastor Jim is up there with them. Can we thank God for what God is doing? City Church, Newcastle. I, uh, I texted my daughter. My daughters ran up there. I can't believe it. I said, you don't want to hear Dad speak again? They're like, Dad, we heard you all the time, right? So they're up in Newcastle this morning with, uh, with Pastor Jim. And, and I, I'm, I'm so excited. I went up there Friday, and I got a little tour. And I'm just weeping. I'm just like, wow, God, look what you did for Josh. Not Josh, but his whole team. And I'm thinking, we are part of this. Like, we have been giving, we've been praying, and we're part of that. And as you read in the New Testament, when, when, the, when another church gave to another church, the Apostle Paul said, the things that were happening over here, God has placed them that what you have done, this is credit to your account. Like what's happening in Newcastle is on our account with God, if you will, okay? It's like, wow, before God, God says, we are with Josh this morning. And so whatever's going on up there, listen, they've had 35 people come to know Jesus in the last few months. Can we thank God for that? That's awesome. And folks, that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the tip of the iceberg. That's what God is doing. So with that birthday gift to Jesus, I want you to think about the Vahalas over in Czechoslovakia. And they're, they're out there. They're plowing the soil. And it's harder soil. And, and it takes a long time for somebody to follow Jesus in Czechoslovakia. And then I, I'm thinking about our friends in Serbia. They're going to be stopping in here in February. Uh, the, the, our friends that are going to Serbia, the, Jan and Anna Franca. And, uh, and they, they, they're like, they're so excited. They're going to go out and they're going to tell people about Jesus. And all I can think of is, look, we're giving to them. And as God takes that and God says, listen, from the little church over in Finleyville, I'm going to encourage these folks. And I'm going to, and this is what he is doing. Amen. God is a great God. Let's just lift him up and thank him this morning. What a great God. He's worthy of all of our praise this morning. So let's continue to give as you're, as you're giving, as God's laid it on your heart. Continue to give designated to the birthday gift of Jesus. There's no telling where this thing could go. And I'm excited to see what God is going to do exceedingly abundantly. Everything that comes in will go out to these missionaries. Checks will be rolling out of here uh, in the next few days. And we're just going to be sending them. So some of the missionaries will be able to give them more. There will be others that will be able to help and pick up. Uh, there's a fellow that's going to be here in a few weeks. And uh, you're going to love this guy. He planted 16,000 churches through his ministry last year alone. 16,000. We are part of that. We are helping to, to do that. You're, going to, you're just going to be blown away. So uh, you don't want to miss a Sunday in January, even if it snows. All right? Don't miss. It's just, I'll be here. If it's snowing, I'll be here. All right? Freezing rain, I won't. But snow, I'll be here. All right? Anyhow, we'll see you. God bless. No. Oh, whoa. i got to do the sermon yet. All right? This time, ask the ushers to come forward. We'll receive. I'm in an unhurried life already, folks. I'm just moving right by. You know? Wouldn't that be amazing? He didn't even take the offering or the sermon. He dismissed the service. Too much eggnog over Christmas. I don't know what that is. I don't even like eggnog. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And if you're here as our guest this morning, please allow the plate to pass you by. This is an opportunity, not an obligation. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to give to the Lord, but 
please, uh, let's give and worship him. Our Father and our God, I come before you and I just thank you for all that you've done in this church, Lord. You're moving mightily. God, we are, we're overjoyed when we see the hand of God. Lord, I'm seeing the hand of God with the generosity. You've, you've taught your people how to be generous. You have, it's a spiritual growth of our church. And when we see things like this, Lord, we're, we're just reminded of the early church, like we're not afraid to let go because it's all yours. And so, God, as we come this morning to worship you and honor you, uh, we worship you and honor you with our tithes and our offerings this morning. And, God, we, we, we just ask that you'll bless them, bless each gift and each giver. Lord, be with each, each person this morning around the world on that list. God, uh, I just really think right now Josh Watts up there with City Church. God, uh, he, he's got a long road ahead of him, uh, a lot of work, a lot of, a lot of uh, caring and, and pain in the process. But, God, you're doing your work and you're bringing people to Jesus. So, God, thank you for what you're doing in Newcastle. Thank you for what you're doing in Finleyville. Uh, just the, the excitement and the souls and people that even came to Christ last night. People that came to Christ this morning in our services. God, we honor you and we realize this is all a work from you. This is nothing, nothing of our ingenuity, nothing of our, of our task at hand. It is you. You have decided to show your might and your power. You gave us those who need Christ, and you're connecting with them. You're bringing them to yourself. Lord, continue to do your work. Be with each gift and each giver, Lord. We bless your holy name. Amen. think of 2020 you're setting some goals right now no doubt and you're you're going through that season of life where you're just trying to trying to reset a little bit you're just kind of looking at like what does my life hold for me what are my goals in 2020 and and uh you know just all that fun stuff that goes along with all that and so as i was praying about this um just this word unhurried came to my heart, and I've been thinking about this for a matter of months, and actually it's been a matter of years that I've been going through this journey of unhurriedness, because I think hurried is something that we all struggle with. It's like, man, we're always on a race against time, and it's like, uh, I just feel like I'm, I'm never not busy. I feel like I'm out of control half the time, my schedule's running and screaming, and 
And, uh, and, and what it is, is is really something within us that is really at struggle. And um, I'll never forget, I was talking to my daughters about this, and, and uh, my daughter Kara, she said, Dad, don't you remember the story you told about tattoo? I said, what story did I tell about tattoo? She says, you know, tattoo the dog. And so I, I looked up my notes, and, and I'll tell you what, it really does fit with this. So uh, I'm just going to read this to you. It was in Tacoma, Washington. A newspaper carried the story of Tattoo the Basset Hound. Tattoo didn't intend to go for an evening run, but when his owner shut the dog's leash in the car door and took off for a drive with Tattoo still outside the vehicle, he had no choice. So the guy gets in the car and uh, happens to, you know, he's just going and happens to have the leash stuck in there. He didn't realize that the, the dog's leash was there, and he... He pulls off. Motorcycle officer Terry Filbert noticed a passing vehicle with something dragging behind it. It was the Basset Hound picking up their feet, uh, picking them up and putting them down as fast as he could. Uh, he chased the car to a, t- to, to, a, uh, to a stop. Tattoo was rescued, but not before the dog had reached the speed of 20 to 25 miles per hour, rolling over several times. You know, could you just see that? Here's this dog. Boom, 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 boom. You know, uh, fortunately, the dog was all right. But uh, how many times do we feel like Tattoo? Yeah, I mean, don't you just feel like sometimes there's a leash? It's your career pulling you? You're just going out of control? It's your family pulling you? It's your finances pulling you? It's, it's your dreams, your vision? It's... Uh, I, I got to coach everything. I, I got to do all these things, and and, and so like our, our recreation, our fun, and all these things can drive us. And it's like something's pulling us, and we're just going uphill all the time. A few years ago, as we transitioned the church, I I was uh, you know I was going through this in my own life, and I was like, wow, you know, Pastor John Arnold was a pastor here for 47 years, and. And I got to follow him as the next pastor. And so I had all this pressure on me. Ah, oh, what, what are we going to do? And, and, you know, everybody's asking me, what, what, you know, I'll never forget. Somebody said, what, what's your first series going to be? I was like, I don't know. And, and it was just like I had all these questions coming at me. And, and it was like everybody was wanting me to live on this leash. And at the same time, I had ran into this book. It was called An Unhurried Life. And, and it really spoke to me. It was by Alan Falding. And uh, it really spoke to me. So some of the things that I've learned from this, I'm going to be sharing with you over the next few weeks as we as we spend time looking at how to have an unhurried life, because it's so easy for us to live life like this picture here. Look at this picture here. That is what most of us live our life like. It's a blur. Like you're just moving at the speed of light and, and you go from one thing to the next thing and you're always, you know, like for me, when I get to the... When I get to be at a meeting with you, I want to be present. And it's easy for us to be thinking about the next meeting. Like, we're so much in a hurry. I'm here, I'm with you, but I'm already thinking about the next thing. I'm thinking about the next thing. Um, and that can happen with you in your business. It can happen with you in your life, in your, with your family. It can happen in so many areas. And we live in a world full today that is filled with this 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 concept of over-hurried or, or, over, or hurry sickness. You know, you ever hear somebody talk about burnout? I've, I've come to a point of burnout. Folks, burnout comes from a hurried life. When we are hurried. And it's not saying about your schedule. And I think this is where we have to understand. Hurried is not so much a schedule that is too full. It is a heart problem. It's something inside. And so you can live a full life. You can have a full schedule. As a matter of fact, Jesus had a full schedule. Uh, there, there was a man named John Ortberg. He's a, he's a great author. 
Um, he wrote a, a book entitled The Life You Always Wanted. And in there he talks about hurry, and he says that for him, uh, he was taking a position at a rather large church. And he was excited about it, but he went to one of his mentors, Dallas Willard, and he asked him, he said, you know, do you think I ought to do this? And he says, yes, you, this is a great opportunity, but if you're going to be, if you, if you want to make it, you want to be successful, you want to keep following God, here's what you've got to do. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And, folks, I think that is some great advice. And I have found that for myself to be true because I can be hurried all the time. Now, that's not saying, hey, have a free schedule. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a part of you that is, is, is not always on edge. You, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ortberg continues uh, in his book, and John Ortberg says that uh, hurry is not about a disordered schedule, but it's about a disordered heart. And when we start to understand that, like our heart can race out of control. Uh, I mean, schedule, you're going to have a full schedule. You're going to be busy. You're going to go to work. You're going to put in these times. This isn't like, okay, I think I'll go to work tomorrow. No, you, you have to get up. You have to go to work. That's what we do. Um, but it's like this unhurriedness is like I, I don't have to let my heart be crowded out by the things that, uh, that, that are non-important. And so as we look at your life and look at living an unhurried life, Dallas Willard, this mentor, he was asked this question. Somebody asked him one time, said, what would you say? What one word would you use to describe Jesus? And, you know, I think a lot of people use a lot of good words. I think there's a lot. I would say he's Lord. I would say that he's God. Uh, we sang he's the way maker. We sang he's the, you know, all these good things about God. And so many of them are descriptive. Dallas Willard responded after much thought. It took him a while, and he said, I would say he's relaxed. And now, we don't often think of Jesus as relaxed, but as you go through and you look through the Scripture, you say, wow, Jesus was relaxed. And, and so for you and I, when we think of relaxed, we have a, an idea of relaxed that comes to mind. You know what comes to my mind when I think of relaxed? I think of a remote control. I think of me having the remote control. Because when my wife has remote control, it's Hallmark movies, you know? Do you know they've been playing Hallmark movies since August? Hallmark Christmas movies, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're happy because it, it's really struggling for me, okay? You and my wife can go watch movies all day long, okay? She loves those Hallmark movies. And so, like, for relaxed, for me, is my idea of me having the remote, not her, right? And so I can, like, put on a football game. I can put on some news. I can put on something outside of Hallmark Channel, you know? By the way, those stories are all the same anyhow. Oh, yeah, all right, just go on. All right? So anyhow, so it's like relaxed. You know, maybe for you, like you're thinking relaxed is a dozen of wings. You know, I mean, that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, just sit down and hang out and just relax and, and let your hair down, right? And, and so relaxed gives us that thought. Sometimes we think of relaxed as disengaged. We think of it as sometimes lazy, um, sometimes selfish. But let me share with you this morning that Jesus was the most selfless person. He was the most engaged person. And I would say that he was the hardest working person. Yet he lived a relaxed life. And you say, well, how did Jesus live a relaxed life? Like he said he had no place to, to lay his head. I, I, how is that relaxed? 
It's from the inner soul. There was something inside of him that was able to go through all these busy moments, through the full schedule, and there was something that was able to get him through it all, and it was this communion with God. Relaxed. Jesus was not lazy. He was incredibly full. His schedule was incredibly full. And, uh, and how was he relaxed? Well, you know, we just came off of Christmas. And you see the fanfare of Christmas. God became flesh. He sends his angels. An angel talks to Mary. The angel talks to, uh, to Joseph. The angels talk to the, to, to the shepherds. And, and the shepherds came. The wise men came. And, and then, then it kind of like you don't see much more. And if you go to read the book of Luke, Luke gives us the, the highlights. He gives us the most important parts of Jesus' life. So, so the next thing that we see is over in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, is the next event that we see. So we see Jesus as a baby, and, and we see roughly up to about two years old there. The wise men come. We said that that could be up to two years old. And so, so the next thing we see is when Jesus is 12 years old. And as we look at this this morning, uh, there's just some new things that just went off in my my heart as I'm reading this. And, and look here, it says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Luke always gives you those little details. Like, this is important. They knew when the Passover was. It was this time of the year. When Jesus was 12 years old, so he's given us the age, they attended the festival as usual. So, remember, Luke went around, he got all the eyewitness testimonies, and he's compiling this. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. (laughs) And I'm thinking, wait a minute. You are, you've been entrusted to be the parents of the God child. You know what I mean? Like literally, the God child, right? And you lost them. Now, could you imagine what's going on in their mind? We've lost Jesus. Like, we lost God. <laughs> I mean, how do we do that, right? Okay. So <clears throat> after the celebration was over, they started home. They didn't, they didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. Now, what would happen was that Mary would be up in the front. Uh, when they, would, they would go in an in a entourage, if you will. They would go from Nazareth over to Jerusalem. And this was their journey of worship to, to go for the Passover celebration. And so when they would make this, they would go in packs of people and they would be together with other people because of the nighttime traveling and the, and the robbers and the thieves, the, the Palestinian robbers and things like that. So, so they, they would make their journey over to Jerusalem. And what would happen is quite often the woman would gather up in the front and the children would be with them and the men would be in the back. And so, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, that happens quite often. We get together, we have a gathering, and all the men get together in one room, and all the women get together in the other room. It just kind of naturally happens that way. So all the women would be up front. So Jesus is 12 years old, so he's, he's kind of coming out of this childhood into adulthood. He's right around the bar mitzvah time here, right? So he's, he's moving on into adulthood, and as he is 12 years old, he could have been with Mary, or it would have been natural for him to be with Joseph with the men in the back. So as they leave, Mary is assuming she's up front of the travel, and she's assuming that Joseph has Jesus. And Joseph's in the back picking up the lag with the other men. He's assuming that Mary has Jesus. Well, look where he's at here. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. 
When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later. Now, when you lost your mind, you lost your kid. Three days later. You know, I'll never forget, when I was younger, uh, Wade, Wade Baker, Wade's family was notorious for this. Wade had seven other brothers and sisters. So uh, whenever there was eight in their family, and when the Bakers would leave, their dad was just, he left. And uh, he, he pretty much left on time, right, Wade? That's kind of how that worked. But invariably, I remember multiple times some of the younger kids got left back here. Like, they would leave and you'd see Wells and Byrne hanging out. And 15 minutes later, you'd see, see one of the older kids coming up to drive them up. Wade, you probably had to come back up and get kids multiple times, right? And, and that's just, just what would happen. This was the mentality that happened. They left, not intentionally leaving Jesus there. And they go back. Now they're in this frantic mode. They come back to find him. And three days later, very interesting to me, three days later, they finally discover him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them, asking questions. Man, I'll never forget one time whenever I was young, I was at South Hills Village Mall. I'll never forget, I, I lost my parents at the mall. I think for them it was the greatest hour of peace they ever had, you know. But for me, I was scared. You know, I remember finding the mall cop, you know. And, uh, and, and it, was so, it, was, it was like, wow, it's just scared to death as a little child. Here's Jesus, 12 years old, and three days he hangs out in the temple, and he's sitting among the religious leaders, listening and asking questions. What would happen was the rabbis would come around, and this is how they made disciples. The rabbis would sit down, and they would sit, and they would talk, and the, and the, the older kids, so they're no longer like the small children, the kids that had, would get through their bar mitzvahs and things, and, and they would get through the basic training, they would now come, and they would have like the, the advanced training. And so they were sitting there, and Jesus was sitting with the rabbis, and he's talking to them. And so look what they said here. He's listening to them, asking questions. Verse 47, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And his parents didn't know what to think. I mean, it was like this kid had wisdom beyond his years, literally. And, and so his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic. There's the hurried life, right? Frantic. They're panic-stricken. I'm searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, Jesus responds. Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I, I need to be about my father's affairs? Didn't you know my father? And verse 50 says they didn't understand what he meant. And you know what? I have read this passage so many times and didn't understand it either. I've read it and I've looked and I said, why did Jesus stay there? Why did his parents leave him? And why is that even there? I don't even get it. And then it, the, it dawned on me. Jesus was not in a hurry. This is the relaxed life of Jesus. He spent time with the Father. And so Luke gives us this. One of the reasons that Luke gives us this is it shows it's, it's one of the early, early times that we see the God. Like this is, he's God in the flesh. Okay? Verse 51, then he returned to Nazareth with his parents and he was obedient to them. 
And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Can you imagine whenever Jesus was on the cross, she had a flashback. Remember when they left him at the temple. Wow. She kept him. And she, she, she no doubt when Luke interviewed her, uh, she retold the story. Whenever, she, uh, whenever Luke was going around interviewing other eyewitnesses and pulled that eyewitness account for us. Jesus grew. Now, verse 52 is so important. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, this is how, the, how that we have to grow in our life. I have to grow wisdom, right? I have to grow mentally. I have to learn. I have to, have to, have to grow that way. I have to grow physically. You know, um, a 12-year-old boy is going to continue to grow. He's going to go lift his weights. He's going to do, do his thing, right? He, he's going he's to go out and grow that way. Um, he has to grow in favor with God. In other words, he has to learn who God is. He has to continue this relationship. And so, so Jesus continued that relationship with the Father and with people. And you know, that's how we have to grow. Like in our, in our life, I have to grow in all those areas. I, I have to grow in how I, how I learn how to talk to people. Uh, you have to grow that way. That's what we do. We grow in how that we interact with people. We have to grow in, in physically. We have, to, we have to do things for physical. We have to do things mentally. We have to do things socially. And so Jesus grew in all those ways. And so what we see, why did Luke put this here? We see, we see the, 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 what God, like this is God in the flesh. And we also see that he was not in a rush. He was not hurried. He sat three days with the, three days with the rabbis, just talking about the things of God. Three days. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is the model of Jesus. He is the life that we're to model, right? And so that life that he modeled for us is one that is relaxed in a time with the Father. One that is, that can accomplish many, many things, but not like, you don't ever see Jesus saying, oh, I'm so tired. You don't ever see Jesus, oh, I'm so worn out. You don't ever see any complaints in the Scripture. You know, Jesus said that He didn't have a place to lay His head. I, he told us the realities of life that, that He faced, but He was not a hurried soul. His soul was never, He, he was never on that edge. And you know, that, that happens to me so many times. It, it's so easy because I can go back and forth to this, I gotta get this done. And, and, you know, and what motivates us? See, here's what happens. Hurried comes by my motivation to be pleasing. To be pleasing. Like, I, you want your family to be pleased with you, don't you? You, you want everything to be perfect. It's Christmas time, and you know you're, you're, you're like you're preparing for company to come over, and you're you're just making everything just perfect. Why? Because you you want it to be pleasing. Uh, you go to work, and you want your boss to be happy with you, right? You, you want your boss to say, "Man, I'm really happy with that guy. He works harder. We'll give him a raise." That's that's what you want. That, that that's what we do, right? And so what happens is this motivation, and I have come to this realization that. I won't please many people. Like, I won't please. Like, like I, I, I may put a pressure on myself that nobody else has on me. I may not even please myself. My own expectations of my own life. And, and so this is what I thought was going to happen. This is what I was, was planning to do. And, and, and I'll tell you what, I, I get upset with myself all the time. 
I get upset with the goals that I set and I don't reach. Don't you do that? Doesn't that bother you? Like, you get frustrated. Like, you know, last year I set a few goals and I didn't reach them. Some of them I just failed miserably at. And I'm like, man, I'm just so mad at myself. See, that's the hurried. That's the, that's the disordered soul. The disordered soul is afraid of failure. And I want you to know that it's okay to fail. Because you have failed does not make you a failure. Because I fail does not make me a failure. Would you say that with me? Because I fail does not make me a failure. Do you understand that it's okay not to reach your goals? It's okay that, that uh, things didn't happen the, the way you intended? It's, yeah, it's painful, but you are not a failure. I love somebody once said that success is failure tired out. Failure is a part of our life. We will fail. Uh, but but as I look at the life of Christ, I see something from the inside. I see this motivation from Jesus uh, by being with the Father. He spent time with the Father. We don't see anything for another 18 years. The life of Christ, we see this childhood in the, in the manger. And then we jump over to 12 years old. And the next thing, look here, verse three, Luke 3.23. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. All right. How were you told about goals when you were young? Some of you are young. Some of you are hearing from your parents. What's your five-year plan? What's your ten-year plan, right? Folks, I was asked those questions when I was young, and it scared the death out of me. Like, what's your five-year plan? I'll never forget, I was a senior in college, and and somebody said, what's your five-year plan? I said, I ought to get married. (laughs) And they're like laughing at me like, you know, I didn't date anybody. I mean, nobody even looked at me, yelling day to me, you know. It's like, I was going to get married in five years, and God just magically provided that. I mean, that's God. I mean, listen, that is God. Let me just tell you, it's God. I mean, I am God's gift to her, but it's God, all right? So I, we'll just stop there. i got to start New Year 2020. i got to keep my goals good, right? I failed already. All right, anyhow, next. All right, so, so listen, like, that's a God thing. It wasn't because, like, I got life figured out. I didn't know how to do that. I was like, okay, God, I'm going to go work at this church. And they gave me a blue van. Like I had a blue 12-passenger van. I literally, I picked my wife up on a date with a blue 12-passenger van. It was the love boat, baby. I'm just telling you, you know. And so, so you know, it's like God has to do his work because I couldn't. But I want you to catch this because, the, the, you know, that five-year plan, that scary stuff. And I think it's good to, to, to make your plans. I think it's healthy. Make your five-year, your 10-year, your 60-day, your 90-day, your one-year goals. But don't, don't race. Don't live life so out of control that God can't work. Jesus was 30 before he started his ministry. 30. Like... He kept working with in the carpenter with his dad, right? And then his dad, we don't see any mention of his dad past 12, so somewhere in that time his dad likely passed, Joseph. Um, he, he was in a woodshed most of the time. He was, he was not a public person. I, I started in youth ministry at 21 years old. I had no clue what I was doing. I thought I knew everything. Now I know I didn't have a clue. I just was here. And I was faithful and I just showed up. Jesus was 30 when he started his public ministry. You want to talk about not hurried. J.B. Phillips said, God is never in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. And you look through the Bible, 
God is never in a hurry. Like, He promised from, from, from the beginning, when sin first entered the world, that He would make a way. And it took 4,000 years for that to happen. Like, 4,000 years later, God keeps His promise. And, and so He was not in a hurry, but He was very intentional. And so Jesus was not a hurried life, but He was an intentional life. And I want to call you this morning to a non-hurried life, but an intentional life. Like, what are we here for? What's our purpose? And when we start to understand our purpose, uh, you, you continue on. Jesus starts his ministry at 30 years old, Luke 4. He, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. Jesus had gotten baptized. Um, by the way, on baptism, Jesus got baptized. So that just shows you right there, you don't need baptism to get you to heaven. It, it's, a, it's an identification. It's a symbol. It was an outward sign. He made an identification with the, with the believers of God. And so I want to encourage you, if you are a, a follower of Jesus and you've not been baptized yet, um, please stop by the Welcome Center, give them your name, fill out a connection card, get a hold of us, and, and we will get you baptized. There's several that are coming up here in January. A number of people have been asking, and so we're, we're going to help make that happen. But what it is, it's an outward sign of an inward decision. So if Jesus was baptized, then then we should too. It's our way of identifying with Him. And so he says that he was full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. So in this, he has a three-year, three, three-and-a-half-year ministry, and God took all his life on earth to prepare him for that three-and-a-half years. I want to race out of control and get it done. I want to set my goals. God, the Father, takes him and prepares him and gets him ready for this three-and-a-half-year ministry that takes him to the cross. And so roughly 33, 35 years old, 34, somewhere in there, Jesus dies on the cross and pays for my sin. And he did the greatest thing that anybody could ever do was to pay for your sin, to pay for my sin. And then he rises again, and nobody's ever done that. But God said, I'm not going to hurry. I'm intentional. This is what I'm choosing to do. You know, his brothers, Jesus' brothers, after Jesus did a few miracles, they wanted him to get famous. They wanted him to go big time. John chapter 7, verse 4, his brothers came to him and said to Jesus, he said, they said, you can't become famous if you hide like this. If you do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. You know, how, how many times have I thought I'm going to make Jesus famous? You know, it's like I've prayed that multiple times. Lord, help us to make you famous. I'm like, me, God, I need to make you famous. Really? God is famous. Jesus is the most famous person that you'll ever run into. Lord, just help us as we hold your name up high. Uh, You are already famous. Um, And his brothers at this point, they didn't really understand. They didn't believe in him. And so Jesus had told them it wasn't the right time uh, for, for that. Uh, they, wanted, they wanted to go fast, and so that's what I want to do. I want to do that in my career. I want to do that in the church. I, I, want, to, I want to go, go, go. I want, to, I want to rise so hard. I want to make it happen. But, you know, if we could only model a life like Jesus lived, if we could just model a life like Jesus lived and understand that our connection to the Father, our connection to God, is way more important than all these things that we do. 
And, you know, many people even do this in church and in their spiritual life. They think if I run harder, if I run faster, I'll do more things. And if I do more things, I've made God happier and I've pleased him somehow more. And listen, I know that God is pleased with our service. But there's something deeper than the service. There's something deeper than the things that I do, that I accomplish. And I shared this verse with you last week, Hosea 6.6. It is so powerful. I love it. He says, uh, God's telling his people in the Old Testament, he says, I want you to show me love, not offer sacrifice. I want you to show me love. I want to know, I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God wants you to know him more than he wants you to serve him. Does that mean he doesn't want you to serve? No. It means he wants to know you more. God wants to get inside of your heart. He wants to be the fuel. He wants to be the energy. He wants to be the passion for your life. He wants to be the pep in your step. He wants to be the reason that you live. And when we come to that, listen, it is so freeing. Now, I can still be busy, but not hurried. And you see the difference. I, I, can, I can have a full schedule. I, I, I do accomplish a lot. I do keep a, keep a full schedule. But you know what? God, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest law? Jesus replied this, Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. They came to him and they said, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And folks, as we learn to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, may I remind you what the Apostle Paul said about love? He said that love is patient. Like if I'm going to love God, I have to be patient. It's not rushed. It's not something that I hurry. It's not something I just do my devotions. You know, I hear people tell me, I did my devotions. I don't think God wants you to do your devotions. He wants you to spend time with Him. He wants you to read His Word and let it go deep into your heart and let you have the best moments of your day. Do you understand that the best moments of your day will be when you are alone with God? The best moments of my day are not when I meet with somebody. And I've had some great meetings. Listen, I met with somebody last night. They, they are just so excited about Jesus. I was like, I was like, Walking on a cloud. I was so happy. But I'll tell you what. That wasn't the greatest moment of my day. The greatest moment of my day is when I got along with my daddy, Father God. And he said, you're okay, son. He said, I know you're going to get up there and I know you're a little bit afraid tomorrow. I know you're not sure what that sermon's going to be like, but you're okay. And it doesn't matter if you stumble. It doesn't matter if you fall. You're my child. And see, that's what God wants to do for you. He wants you, before you go to work tomorrow, to, to come and get rest from Him. Oh, I, I, I love this. Jesus had called His disciples together, and they were working. And He, and he took His disciples, and you know, He, he loved them. He, he spent time with them. And so one, one of the things that He did was He, he helped them to, to get to know Him. And that's what we want to do. You know, we, we live in a world that, that's filled with, you hear somebody say, I'm bored. We're on such a speed train, like we're so out of control speed-wise, like we've got to run at such a fast pace, and then I hear people, they'll get bored. They'll get bored in between speed trips, 
really. I mean, it's like this, you know, and then all of a sudden oh, I have this, this moments and they don't know what to do with it. And when I was a kid, you know, there wasn't, we, we didn't have as many options. Uh, we had a TV and it was like a, a piece of furniture. Some of you had one of those because you're my vintage, right? So it's like we had a piece of furniture and I was the remote, you know. My dad would look over to me and said, Channel 4. I was like, aye, aye, sir. And I would get up, and, and it was a big dial. And we had three channels, Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 11. And you could get, like, a, a, thir- a fourth one if you had the foil on your rabbit ears just right. You know what I'm saying? And so I would get up, and I'd go, click. I'd sit down, and he got bored with that. I'd be like, Click. And, man, I knew how to do that pretty good. Now, you know, when I was a kid, you got cartoons on Saturday only. You remember that? Now we got the Cartoon Network. That's what's wrong with the country, folks. Cartoons should only be on Saturday, right? No. But listen, here's what happens. We're, we're, in this, we're in this out of control pace and we're running like crazy in our world. And it's like we're stimulated, we're overstimulated. And listen, all these things that were supposed to bring us joy don't. They, they, they don't produce, and so we're accomplishing, we're doing more, we're entertaining more, and all these things that we thought would produce, they don't produce. And may I share with you that this is not something that is new today. It is something that we dealt with whenever we only had Channel 2, 4, and 11. And it's something that we dealt with hundreds of years ago. Percy Ainsworth was a pastor from the 1800s. He died in 1809. I want to share with you what Percy said. He said, this busy world will surge about you with the tread of restless feet and the throb of a restless heart. And little that you will do will seem to make a pause in the rush of things. This is in 1800. Little that you will do will make a pause. But you may in Christ, you will find rest for your soul. You will rest in your work, knowing that duty is eternal. You will rest in your service of others. Uh, knowing that sacrifice is eternal. You will rest in your purest earthly communion, knowing that love is eternal. This is the hasteless. This is the unhurried life. And those that believe in Christ will live it. You know, he longed for a, a life of rest rather than rush. And today I want to take you to that. Psalm 4610 Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Folks, this is the moment that God wants for you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to find rest in him. You won't find it anywhere else. You will not live an unhurried life by getting a better organizer. Those organizers are great. I have many of them. Many of them. And I tell you, I think they help many people. But I'm talking about something deeper than your schedule. I'm talking about your heart being at rest. Look what Jesus said here, Matthew 11:28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Wow. The message paraphrased it like this, and I love this. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? You tired of doing? 
Are you tired of racing all the time? Even in Christianity, we can get just doing so many good things that we're just filling our life. He says, are you tired? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's what God wants to do. He wants to show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch what I do. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. In other words, listen, I come to me. I will give you rest. Here's my challenge to us as a church. My application today is this. I want you to think about this. If you could get that little bit of rest every day from God. And like we'll talk about schedules later. We'll talk about multiple aspects of an unhurried life. But if you could come to God every day, and like Jesus did, he sat with the rabbis and he was, he was talking about the Father. Like if you could do that, if it, and you look through the life of Jesus, this is a snapshot we see all over his life. He was always getting away with the Father. If you could do that, do you know your life will change? So I'm going to give you a couple tools here today as we close the service. Uh, in the foyer, as you leave, uh, there's a table to the left. I have a number of Bibles there. These are, these are, it's a life application Bible. It, it has the Bible, and underneath it has notes at the bottom to help you understand it. I, I want to encourage you, if, if you would like one, take one. Just take it. That, there's no, no strings attached. Just take the Bible. Take it home. All I ask is that you read it. Just, you can start in the book of John. That's a great place to start. He was an eyewitness to the life of Christ. Um, I'm going to hand these out. These are tools here. They're, they're on that table. Please stop by that table. I want everybody to take one of each and go home and make a decision which one that will help you the best. Uh, th- here's a five-day reading program. This will help you read the Bible through in five days a week. There's a, a portion from the Old Testament and the New Testament. You could on there choose to just read the New Testament this year. You could choose to just read the Old Testament. You could choose to read it all, five days a week. You know why we do five days a week? Because if we do seven, there's no room for error. You've got to have a day to miss. You've got to have a day where you've got to breathe. You've got to be unhurried. So I want you to take one of these. They're, they're free back there. Uh, the, this next one says five by five by five. That one is five minutes a day, five days a week, and there's five tips to help you grow in Christ. I want to encourage you, listen, if you're just even getting five minutes alone with God, uh, like, listen, I'm big on that on that Bible app, but you know, even on the Bible app on my phone, you can still text me and distract me. You can still get my attention while I'm trying to get with God. So I want to encourage you, get along with God, like disable everything else. Don't let anybody else get a hold of you. It could be five minutes at your lunch. Is that's where it's going to work for you the best. It could be five minutes in your evening, five minutes in your morning. Some of you are great morning people. Uh, take it and give it to God. But start there and be like Jesus. And this will be the beginning of coming to him in rest. Let's put that last verse up there again. That uh, come to me, all who are weak. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I want you to come this morning. He wants you to come to him and get rest. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to an unhurried life. It starts, life truly starts with Christ. It won't, you won't find it 
in your schedule. You won't find it in your career. You won't find it in your family. You'll only find it in Jesus. So this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. He says, come away with me, and I'll give you rest. For many of you, it may have been weeks before you had that five minutes with God. For others, it may be months. Some of you may have never had that experience. I want to invite you this morning, if you've not started a relationship with Jesus, would you just pray and call on Him and invite Him into your life? Just say, God, it's 2020. It's a new year. I need you in my heart. I, I've tried to find life on my own, and I, I realize that I can't find it on my own. I can only find it in you, and I need your help. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again. And I trust you with my heart right now. And for others in this room, maybe you need to just go home and meet with God. Like, like, like let's make this paramount. There's nobody, no human can meet this need that's driving you. And instead of being pulled along on a leash... Let's live an intentional life with Christ at the center. Father God, be with each person as they make a decision to go home and continue this relationship with you. I thank you for the great things that you've done. Lord, we are so happy to be here. Thank you for the year 2020. Thank you for this family up here on this hill. Thank you for how you're drawing all men and women unto yourself. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and uh, be dismissed. Please greet a few people that you haven't spoken to yet this morning. God bless you. You are dismissed.